and welcome to Read Write Geek, a podcast for book nerds of every stripe. I'm your host, E. Marie Robertson. It's going to be a great trip. Welcome aboard. Hey, podcast people, it's me. I'm glad you could come by today to Read Write Geek. A little bit of a different thing going on here. This is definitely going to be a writing themed presentation today, but I wanted to talk about a really hard choice that a lot of us have to make as writers, especially those of us who are seeking traditional representation. We love our stories. I mean, that's why we write them, right? We love those characters. We're attached to them. We want them to get out into the world and be communicating and sharing their stories and their action with everyone else. We want everybody to love our characters as much as we do. It's kind of like they're our kids. The problem is, of course, that it requires the system to feel the same way, and that can be tough. I find myself in that position right now. My debut novel, Nothing Larger Than These Stars, I absolutely love the characters. They speak to me. They, I find them interesting and fun, and I really like hanging around with them. But this first novel has not generated any interest. I have had a handful of requests for partials. I have had no requests for fulls. And it's really frustrating. So I've actually rewritten the novel a bunch of times. Well, not a bunch of times. Let me restate that. I've actually rewritten significant portions of the novel. I have changed the beginning and the end I have worked with editors, I have worked with developmental editors, I have gotten paid critiques, I have gotten beta feedback, I have done all the things that you're supposed to do to make sure that your book is ready to get out there into the world, and yet it's not getting any traction. I feel like part of this, definitely I started querying the novel before it was ready, I I know that in hindsight, I actually knew it when I started querying the novel, but I was just so excited about having finished it and having done these massive editing passes and polished it and having it feel like uh, a real thing that I would pick up off a bookshelf that I just went ahead and started querying it, and I, I shouldn't have done that. I joined paid groups where... Instead of expert feedback, you get feedback from the other people who are desperate for feedback who've joined the paid group, and that didn't really work out well for me. I mean, I learned a few things. I got to get in front of a couple of agents or editors who gave me feedback, but I don't feel like the experience that I had in in that group was really as rich and as deep and as wonderful as a lot of the other writers in it seem to think they seem to be having a different experience. And here I am now, and I've been querying this novel for a couple of years now, and I'm still not getting any traction, even after the developmental edit. Even though I've got my query letter, I feel like my query letter finally is spot on. I finally have a synopsis that I'm okay with. I've just run out of ideas. The question that I want to look at today is, how do you make that decision to put away your baby your book baby, and move on to a different book. I mean, I've had several ideas that have been percolating in the background while I've been querying this novel, but I've also been having to do a lot of extra work, work work, not writing work, work work, uh, 
because of various reasons. And plus, we've all been dealing with COVID and lockdown, and things have changed in the publishing industry pretty dramatically. In particular, I have seen a lot of agents just take science fiction off their wish lists. Just, it was there in great detail at the beginning of the year, and now it's not there at all. Part of this, I'm fairly confident, is because science fiction is, in terms of publishing, is a fairly small arena. There are only a certain number of imprints that will publish science fiction, and that means there are only a certain number of editors who will even entertain the idea of science fiction work, and that limits the number of people that an agent can go to. And then with all the pressure around the prospective merger of Simon & Schuster and Penguin Random House, um, that had the potential to limit that number of editors even further. So there's been a lot of churn. And we know that across publishing, pretty much for all genres, editors are backed up right now. Books are not getting published, books aren't getting, and books aren't getting scheduled. There are things like supply chain issues. There are problems with paper. Europe has apparently run out of paper, so they can't even print the books that are scheduled to be published. So that creates a backlog, and that just sort of runs all the way back down the line and gets to a point where there's no reason to sell an editor on a science fiction work if they can't take it to the acquisitions team with some confidence that the acquisitions teams can say, yeah, we'll buy this and publish it. They're not going to buy a book, no matter how much they like it, if their opportunity to actually produce it has been pushed way out into the future. There's a slowdown happening. And I don't know if this is happening in every area, but it's definitely a problem in science fiction. As a result of all this, I'm thinking about putting stars away for a while. Uh, maybe a long while, maybe not. It depends. But I just feel like this is the right time to put that novel in the drawer and let it sleep and polish up something else and get that out there and start querying with that. So that brings me around to what has been a very difficult decision for me. But the point I'm trying to make here is that I'm, I'm okay with this. And I really had to, I've been kind of considering this for a while, but I really had to come to kind of an organic acceptance that this was the right thing to do. And that's why I'm making this podcast. I think a lot of people go through this and really there's no easy way to make the decision that it's time to put one of your book babies aside and focus on a different book baby. The best thing that I can say is they'll all have their day if things work out right. So that's just kind of a long rambling way of saying I've made this decision and it wasn't an easy decision. And I hope going forward that it frees me up to send out some new queries to some new agents and open some new doors and get myself in into that space in traditional publishing where I can start to have a little bit of an impact and be successful. And once that happens, then stars can come back out. And uh, and the sequel. I have about 40,000 words written in the sequel. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I might um, make some of this available over on Patreon to my subscribers. So if you would like to be one of those folks, please just hop on over to Patreon at E. Marie Robertson. I'll uh, have a link in the show notes for you. 
And, you know, feel free to jump in. My my uh, subscription rate is super cheap. I'm also working on some short stories that are out of the same uh, world that Stars is set in. So you might enjoy the short stories, too. So that's an opportunity for you as well. But moving on to the next book. And I think I am not going to do, I'm not going to focus on sci-fi. I was kind of toying with the idea of completing this climate fic, climate fiction sci-fi that I had started a number of years ago. But I think I'm going to finish up the historical fantasy and then maybe try my hand at uh, more of a magical, realist, paranormal sort of thing. Um, still focusing on adult literature. I just, I... I could write YA. I read a lot of YA, but I also read a lot of stuff that it didn't occur to me was YA until somebody else told me. I mean, all of Lee Bardugo's work feels adult to me, but technically it's considered YA. And if you look at the ages of the protagonists, the, and it's very clearly YA. These are teenagers, but they aren't teenagers in my head. And I had the same effect with Helen Harper's independently published work, her her Blood Destiny series. Those characters were not teenagers in my head. So I don't know what that aside was for, but now you have it. <laughs> you can have that. You can come back to haunt me later, I suppose. But I am going to try my hand at different genres. I like a little bit of romance, but I have never tried to write a romance no novel. And in fact, when I've tried to read romance, it just doesn't really work for me. I like for romance to be part of the story, but I don't want it to be the whole story. So now you know my my actual game plan, such as it is. I will be working on a different novel that I hope to make good progress on during what's left of NaNoWriMo and have Draft Zero completed by the end of the year. My goal is to have two more novels completed, this one that I'm working on now and a second one, completed and ready to query by next summer. I would like the one that I'm working on now to be ready to query by the Spring Atlanta Writers Conference. So that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of focus and a lot of energy. And I'm scheduled to teach three classes next semester. And I hope that happens because I only had two this semester and the... Uh, Income disparity meant that I had to take on some other projects, uh, other freelance projects, and that was tough. Although I'm very grateful for the opportunity that those projects brought me. They take a lot of energy and time. It takes a lot of energy and time out of you, and that's energy and time that had I had the classes that I normally teach, I would have been using to, to write and edit, theoretically. I have had a very bad case of pandemic brain the last couple of months, and focus has been really tough. And if it hadn't been for pandemic brain, I think I might have made this decision six months ago. But this is where we are now. Now, you may be asking, how do I make the decision to put aside a book baby? Well, it's super individualized. It depends on your genre. It depends on how many queries you've sent out. I know some people who would say that I have not sent out enough queries. I think I've sent out 38. But it seems like there should have been some interest by now because I'm not being stupid about it. I know how to do agent research and pick an agent who represents my genre and who is interested in the kind of story that Stars is. Let's think of this as kind of a checklist. And the more of these that you check off and say, yes, that's me, then I think the more likely it becomes that it's time for you to put your manuscript aside and work on something else. 
Thing one, you have done your agent research. You are submitting your manuscript to agents who handle your genre and who specifically are looking, or say they are looking, for the kinds of elements that you have in your story, yet you are not getting any traction. So that's thing one. Is that happening to you? It might be time to let go. Thing two, you are paying close attention to the publishing news, and everybody who wants traditional publication should do this, frankly, and you are seeing comments in the news about your particular genre suffering a downturn or about publishing companies who emphasize your genre suffering a downturn. Anybody have that happening? If so, check that one off too. Thing three, you're able to get eyes on pages at things like conferences or Zoom pitches, but then you don't get requests for fulls or whatever the next step is. Some of these folks have you submit material beforehand. In some cases you don't, but it's not resulting in traction for you. You're not getting those requests, although the live pitches are going well. Is that happening to you? Okay, so those three things. Thing four, check in with your gut. What does your gut tell you? Stop for a moment. Try to take your ego out of the equation and think about how do I feel about this book's chances? This is probably the hardest one to do, but I really believe that you'll know. If this is not the right time for that particular book, I think you'll know it. And last, if you're still stuck and you're still having trouble, you can resort to witchery or um, divination or magic to help you figure this out. This may sound like an odd suggestion, but if you meditate, this is an opportunity to sit down and meditate and connect with your higher self. And that's what all these things really are, frankly. It's not fortune-telling. It's you connecting, finding a way to connect with your own higher self and with your own knowledge to understand the truth of the matter without your ego getting in the way, without any other things getting in the way like your hopes or your fears. So meditation, good way to do that. If you read tarot, tarot cards, make this a question. You know, make it a multifaceted question. Don't just make it yes or no. Let the cards help you decide what you need to see in order to make this decision. That will probably connect it a little more easily for you. Because personally, I use the tarot a lot. And whenever I ask a yes or no question and it gives me the answer I don't want, I'm really good at coming up with reasons why it's not valid. So I think instead it makes more sense to Ask the cards to give you what sorts of things you should look for to help you make this decision. And I just so happen to have a deck right here, and we might run through a little exercise like this. Third thing, find some new readers, okay, some new volunteers, and ask them just to read your book as readers, not as, quote, beta readers not as people who are trying to help you develop a story, not as people who are trying to help you focus on a plot. Just find two or three people to just read your book and then tell you what they thought as readers. Find people who read your genre, okay? 
Find people who aren't writers who read your genre and have them read it. That is going to give you some invaluable information. And if there was anything about it, anything about the manuscript that this reader reader didn't find engaging for whatever reason, that's a sign that maybe you should put that manuscript aside. Because if you're querying it, you've had it done for quite a while theoretically. Okay, you've had it nicely polished and finished. You've spent a lot of time editing it. You've been through, you've probably read your own book a hundred times. I know I've read my own book probably a hundred times. Get fresh eyes on it from a reader, from somebody who is not emotionally invested in the outcome, and get them to read it and just tell you, if they were writing a review of it, what they would say. Now, this can be tricky because people who are your friends always want to say nice things. And that's okay. I would love to have them say nice things, but they have to actually temper it with real things. Okay, so the key here is to make sure you get someone who can give you an honest review of the book. And it's wonderful if they say nice things, because if they have not nice things to say, that will take the sting out a little bit. But get feedback from them and let let that guide your decision making. Okay, that's all I got for you today. It was not a real exciting, uplifting, fun sort of episode, but I think it was a necessary episode. I am going to draw a tarot card now for you. We'll find out what you should take home from this and maybe use to make your own decisions over the next week. Okay, looking for helpful information for my whole audience for the coming week. And if you believe in this stuff and you find it useful... This is for you. All right. The Hermit. The Hermit in many, many decks. It's a major arcana, first of all. And in many decks, it shows someone walking, carrying a lantern. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that in a lot of decks, the star is actually inside the lantern. In this particular deck, I'm using the Sun and Moon deck. That doesn't seem to be the case. It's a gender-fluid person carrying an hourglass and a staff along with them. Now, the hermit is very much about going within and keeping to yourself and self-reflection, self-evaluation, understanding what's going on in your own head, and also about searching for things that complement and complete you. In the more traditional tarot that we're used to seeing in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, that star in the lantern is the important feature. Finding that place within you, doing that inner work, is what will enable you to finally shine, to reach that success and that creativity. This hermit is more about time and timing. So if you're looking to make a decision Think about the timing of things. It may be that the timing is wrong or that there's a time element that you haven't spent enough time on something. But the blast I'm getting from this little card, which I'll take a shot of and put on my blog, something about time and self-focus. So I hope that helps you. certainly makes sense for me. So that's all we've got today. I hope you come back next week for another episode of Read, Write, Geek. I'm going to make it a read episode next week. I know I'm a little off here, but I've just kind of gone nuts with the scheduling and and it's taken me a while to get back to even doing these. So 
All right. I'll talk to you next week and we will talk about reading. I'm specifically going to talk about reading Susanna Clarke's Piranesi. It's pretty mind-blowing if you haven't read it already. Okay, that's it. Have a great week and I'll see you next Thursday. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We post new content every Thursday, so don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. 